Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. Let me ask one mentality question. Like if, if it comes like your mentality, then what do you think is your your best strength when it comes to, you know, mental game? Honestly, well, well first off for the Jones Cup and kind of in general, um, I, I'd say I'm very patient. Um, I don't try to force a lot of things and it's something that I learned. Um, it, it didn't come overnight. Um, it's taken, you know, quite a long time to sort of figure out. My mental process for the whole Jones Cup was just to stay patient. It was my swing thought. Um, it was kind of like the whole overarching game plan of each hole, making sure I pick the right targets. Um, it was just to stay very patient. This podcast is brought to you by LiveMomentous.com. Leading the way in human performance is Live Momentous. For listening today, you get a discount at checkout. Enter the code DRB20. That's DRB, the number 20, for 20% off your order. Live momentous, optimize, perform, recover. So our guest today is a freshman golfer at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, he won the 2024 Jones Cup, and he actually started the tournament as an alternate, which we'll get into. Heading into the tournament, he was ranked 404th that week in the Wagger ranking, and after the tournament, he rose to 144th. He was the only player to break par that week at one under. Um, other accomplishments that he's done, he's um, two-time uh, uh, state champ in uh, Indiana. He finished second at the Western Junior Am, made it to the round of 32 in the U.S. Am, and finished fourth as a freshman at Notre Dame tournament in the uh, Gopher Invitational. Our guest today, I'm excited about this conversation, about the mentality and insight, is Jacob Modleski. Jacob, my man, thanks for taking the time, bud. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's dive into it, man. I mean, you were first alternate heading into the Jones Cup, and there are a lot of golfers that listen to this podcast, but they're not all solely golfers. So that you weren't quite in the tournament yet. Yeah. Talk, talk to us about that mentality, man, heading down there. Yeah, it, it's definitely interesting um, because you you, know, you normally prep for tournaments fully expecting you're there, and and it was kind of tough because I was going down, and, and I figured at worst case I'd just be able to you know get some – some reps off grass. Indiana's a little tough this time of year to get out, but um, I just made sure I was ready, uh, um, and that and that I wouldn't be surprised if I got in. Um, I, I played both my practice rounds, or I played the first one not knowing I was in, but I, I still took my time and, and tried to plot my way around the course, talked to some guys who had played it before, um, made sure that I was going through my process the same way, you know, even if I wasn't sure. So then that way, when I was uh, you know called on, on on Thursday morning. To be in the tournament, I was I was ready. Um, it didn't it didn't really come as a shock. Um, I felt like I was I was ready to go for the week. And when when did you find out? So I found out right before my second practice round. Um, I played yeah. my first practice round having no idea, and then I was on the putting green right uh, right about, about to head to the first tee of my second practice round, and, and someone came up and told me. Best news ever, man. Oh yeah, I was. I mean, well, it was it was short. He's like, Jacob, you're in the tournament, and I was like, up. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let, let's tie in that, that Indiana piece to it. I mean, 
you know, you, you won this tournament in January. It's tough to play golf, any kind of consistency outside at that time. Like, um, what was some of your preparation? How did you prepare to, you know, play your best? Um, that's a good question. I, I definitely try to simulate as much as I can uh, real golf, and it's really hard. Uh, you know, hitting off a mat is just not the same as hitting off a fairway. Um, but there's certain things you can do, you know, with nowadays technology, you can play courses on TrackMan. Um, you can do, there's, there's all sorts of realistic greens and, and then putting stuff to where even in some of the Northern States, I felt like I was, I was really well equipped. And, and as long as I, you know, followed the, the, the process I laid out, um, I could kind of simulate some of those types of shots. And then it didn't take me too long to adjust when I got back on grass. Um, I felt like I, all the things I had done, even though they might be on artificial grass or might be on a screen, um, were very similar. Um, and, and I felt like it was a, it was a pretty smooth transition. Okay, nice, man. Um, your preparation heading in, like, lay it out for us. Like, how how do you normally prepare, um, you know, for a tournament like that? Uh, for any tournament, I'm a really technical person. Um, if, if you know me well, you, you probably see me in a in a hitting bay with a tripod, looking at you know where where my swings at and and what it looks like, what it's doing. Um, I really try to get off that a couple of days before the tournament. Um, I like to focus mostly on just what the ball is doing. Um, I've had tournaments in the past where I focused too much on what the swing looks like and, and how my body's moving and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really just about how the ball flies and, and some short game stuff. So um, I, I, I just kind of step back from super detail oriented things and focus just more on making the ball do what I want. And then short game, uh, it's all short game. I put a lot of work into my short game this off season, especially with the putter. Um, and it really paid paid a lot of dividends at the Jones cup. It was a demanding course ball striking wise, but it just wasn't, wasn't easy to hit greens and you just had to be able to get up and down. And that was probably the best, the best part of the whole week was, was the putter. Nice, man. So let us, uh, let us in, man. Like what's one of those like putting drills or putting games that you do that, that help prepare you? Um, there, there's a lot to be honest with you. Um, if I had to pick one, it would just be a, a pretty basic clock drill. Um, something from four, six, eight feet. And it's basically to try and accomplish two things. One, I want it to be really hard. Um, I don't want it to be an easy drill. I, it's okay to, to fail the drill um, a lot of times before you might complete it. And the second thing is you just want to see the ball go in the hole. Um, I had a putting coach I worked with this offseason. His, his name is Biv Wadden. He's out of Chicago. Um, and he helped me kind of set up this putting process a little bit. And uh, a lot of what we talked about has, has paid off. Um, you want to build a lot of confidence. I think confidence is the most important thing when it comes to putting. You can just drive as many mechanics as you want, but when you get out there and you have a six footer, um, you know, on, on the 18th hole of a tournament, it's different. Um, so you just want to have known that you've hit a thousand of these putts in the last couple of weeks and made a lot of them um, along with, you know, trying to simulate some sort of pressure as well. Right. So like a four, six, eight drill, you just have to make them all or you start over. Yeah. Like a, like a, Honestly, my favorite one is is um, just a four foot clock drill. So I have four tees around the hole at four different spots. I'm trying to make twenty to thirty in a row at four feet, um, changing each like the rotating around each time. Um, it's really hard. I, I don't think I've ever gotten to thirty. I think I've only gotten to twenty probably four or five times. Um, and that's that's the goal. Just make it really hard. And that way, when you have that four footer on the course, you know you're like, I've, I've made a million of these. It's no big right. deal.
good looking? If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website, drrobbell.com, and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. Yeah, love it, man. Speak my language, bud. Um, one time I did practice round with Tom Watson, and this was on the heels of his 2009 like uh, British Open. That was the one where he had to leave the whole tournament but lost it on the final hole. Stuart Sink won it. But we were talking. I said, you know, what was your mentality heading in? He said Wednesday night he's putting like with his wife um, on the putting green. He said that putting felt so good that I actually told my wife, he said, man, I, I think I might have a shot this week. I, I mentioned that because was there – what was your feeling – then like during your practice rounds and then when you kind of teed it up man i mean how was um how was the overall game it, it was really good um i didn't hit my irons great in the practice round uh, i putted pretty well i really drove the ball well and through the whole week practice rounds and tournament rounds um and that was kind of what i got a feel for the course needed uh you you could hit your irons great but a lot of times you're gonna hit a great iron shot and then that much win with firm greens the ball is just going to take a big bounce and, and end up in the same collection area that you would have been and if you hit it you know 20 or 25 yards right of the green um so obviously i was happy with where my game was um but at the same time i didn't put any pressure on how i felt about my game leading into the week i didn't you know think you know, i'm putting great so i had better putt well in the tournament i'm driving it great i better drive the ball well in the tournament um i just kind of trusted you know this is how it feels i'm going to take this out and kind of see what happens um and then, yeah, my, my mentality, obviously, when I found out I got in was was just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, just just whatever happens, happens. Go out there and play. Jacob, go just a little bit more into depth than that. You said something that was interesting. You're like, so if I'm putting well, I better – that means I'm going to putt well in the tournament or I should putt well. I'm driving it well or I should drive. What's – you know, because you mentioned just being able to trust it. What's the opposite of that like for you? Well, I mean, I, I've definitely had that in the past. You know, you have weeks leading up to tournaments where you're on the range and the ball is just coming off exactly how you want it. I mean, you're hitting the, the tight draw or the tight cut or you're able to work at high, low, left, right. Um, and then you, you can get in a tournament and feels change a little. You might tempo might be a little different. Um, mind might be going a little fast, you know, getting ahead of yourself mentally. Um, and all of a sudden you just feel completely different. Uh, you don't feel like you have control over the ball. Um, you're rushed, your mental process isn't the same. You're not picking out clear targets. Um, so I, I think it's not setting definitions of how you're going to hit the ball or putt each week based on how you're actually playing. Um, I've had some of my worst range rounds or uh, range practices ever lead into really great tournaments. Um, and I'm sure everyone who's an athlete can speak on that, that the warm-up always doesn't define how you play. Um, but I think it goes well past the warm-up into you know the weeks months even years sometimes of, of preparation um that can lead up to really big events and it you know when you get to the event it's it, it's different um i think that was something i did a really good job with the jones cup was not um defining my game over how it's felt the past however many weeks or months i, I just showed up and i was just ready to go um and i, I mentioned in a couple different interviews um, when everyone gets on the first tee, you're all the same. Um, it doesn't matter how great someone played in a practice round. It doesn't matter what everyone's ranked. Everyone's at even par. Um, I did a really good job of having that mentality all week. Um, it was pretty cool to play with some some big 
guys in the world of amateur golf and you know you step on the first tee and shake their hand and and that's it everyone's at even par yeah no awesome man yeah totally i mean there were 45 top uh, 100 players in that event so people that aren't necessarily in the golf world i don't think kind of grasp hey what a big win that was but that, i mean yeah. it's a fantastic win um so on ocean force golf club I mean, you, you shot 72, 74, 69. Correct. And obviously the last round was the best round. But on 17 the day before, I mean, that was, you know, I mean, you doubled it, right? Like right. you came up with 17, then birdieing it. And 17 and 18 are tough golf holes there. Walk us through that. Um, just, you know, walking into 17 on the last day and where you were at that point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I we can go back to 17 a second day. Um, like you said, I, I, I made double. Yeah, they moved the they moved the tees around um, a couple different spots on 17. So they changed the angle the second day um, to where instead of a hazard left and a hazard right, it became a hazard kind of short and a hazard long because they, they changed the tee. It was about 60 yards further right. Um, and so I didn't play. I didn't, I didn't hit a shot from the, either of the practice rounds over there. Um, looking back, probably probably should have at least to get a better idea how the green worked um and i only hit it probably 25 feet left of the hole maybe 10 feet long and it took one big bound and just rolled all the way down a hill and just trickled into some bushes um and it was kind of one of those shots where you didn't feel like you hit a great shot and you really got punished for it um i did a really good job mentally staying in it uh the second round i was i was i fought back all the way to get to where i was and then made double and, and you know it kind of feels like a bit of a setback in the moment but uh, i settled down made par in 18 um and then going into the third round obviously it was in the back of my mind real, real quick, that, that hazard you were you were short yeah. of the bunker then on 17 yeah i mean obviously going in that hazard um was just it was just tough but you know it, it, it kind of is what it is and i settled down and and I made a really good par in 18 okay and then you're playing well last day right yeah and you know you come back to those holes and those three, four days events, you know, when you have a bad hole early in, in, in the week, you de definitely remember it. It's not something that goes away. Um, but I, I, my caddy and I did a really good job um, just focusing on our targets, focusing on where we wanted to land the ball. Um, we, I don't even think we discussed the hazard on the left, even though it was it was pretty in play the last round. Um, it was 235, but it was only playing closer to like 199 to, to 202. And the greens are real firm. And if you happen to hit the right side of the, the ridge in the middle of the green, it would kick left towards the flag. Otherwise, you'd be on the kind of the fat side of the green and you know, hit a really good shot and got a good break and then, and then made the putt on top of it. You hit six iron then? I did hit six iron, yeah. Okay. Because uh, I'm a big fan of Blaze Brown. I like Blaze. I was talking with him. And his shot actually hit on that ridge and then just kept rolling in that back bunker. I'm not sure if you saw Yeah. That. Yeah. It was – I mean, mine probably got within – eight feet of that bunker but it kind of there was there was a hill I had to go up a little hill to get in the bunker and the ball would either have enough pace to get up the hill and go in the bunker it would just kind of hit the hill and come back down to 10 or 12 feet and that was kind of ocean force the nutshell was was 17 because you could hit such a good shot and it would get you know you could roll four extra feet and be in a bunker or be 12 feet for birdie mm -hmm. so coming off birdie on on 17 i mean 18 is tough hole yeah yeah it's um I think it was the hardest hole all week, maybe on, on 18 on the third round. The pin was real tough. Um, it was playing straight into the wind. Um, my caddy and I, you know, we just stuck to the same plan we had all week. 
hit driver, hit a really good tee shot. And then, you know, from there it was just, how do I make four? Obviously I knew I was in contention, but I, I, I wasn't following the leaderboard. Um, it was not a pin you could be very aggressive to. Um, and we just played the right shot. Um, whether or not I executed it was, was kind of beside the point, but we, we got to the right shot. We got to the right club, the right number, um, ended up being kind of a soft six iron from about 185. And then I had a long putt and, um, it's weird to say, but there was trouble long on the putt. Um, the pin was so close to the edge of the green. It, it kind of could have ran off, but, um, kind of flagged it up there to five or six feet and then knocked it in. So with the preparation that you've had on the five and six footers, just leading yeah. the tournament it, that paid off. It was, it was, it was kind of funny that it came down to, to a, you know, six footer in the last hole. Um, but yeah, definitely. It's, it's crazy how that happens sometimes where you feel like you really prep one thing for a couple of weeks and then it, you know, you, you might see it, you might not, you know, you might work on bunker shots for months and months and then you get to a real big tournament, you don't hit it many bunkers. Um, but it was, it was cool. Yeah, for sure. To see how all my putting work kind of paid off. Cause right. I, I really felt pretty confident over that last putt. And how many groups were you ahead? Like, when did you find out then that, um, I mean, you knew you were a clubhouse leader at that point? At the, after I, after I part 18, yeah, I came off and knew I was, uh, tied with blades and up by one on, on, uh, Caleb. Um, and I actually went to the, I went to the range with, uh, Palmer and David Ford. Um, Palmer is obviously my teammate. Um, and David, I got to play with him the last day, um, both winners in the past two years. Um, so it was just cool to be on the range with them. Get, you know, got to hit some balls, and I honestly kind of went back into my process that I go through before every round. Um, you know, ha had my earbuds in, I was, I was listening to music, hitting balls, getting warmed up. Um, and I, I tried my best. You know, I, at one point I went to put music on my phone. I could see people starting to text me. Um, I just same thing as I normally do before a tournament. Turned off notifications. Wanted to make sure that I was, you know, not worrying about what was going on. Someone's going to come tell me if I won the tournament or someone's going to come tell me if I needed to be in a playoff. Um, I just tried to not let my mind go there until, you know, until the end, um, one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And then um, talk to us about the feeling of winning. It was, it was cool. Um, it was, it was really cool, especially with that event. Uh, it's such a, you know, it's such a cool event, such a prestigious event in terms of its history. Um, and winning's just hard, especially in golf. I mean, there's, you know, I, I've played a lot of team sports, football, basketball, baseball, soccer. Um, winning is always fun, but it's, it's a little different when it's, when it's a team. Cause you, you know, you, you just win more, um, in golf, you might have a lot of top tens, you might have a lot of top fives, but winning is just really hard. Um, especially at the amateur level. Um, and I, Palmer told me he, he was kind of on his way out of, of the, of the property there at Ocean Forest. And he said, enjoy this one. Cause, cause winning is really hard. Um, and that, that stuck with me and that's kind of how I've, how I've embraced it. Um, I, I, I still think about it a lot and, um, just, just trying to, you know, celebrate as much as I can rather than, you know, move past it quickly. Right. Right. Um, were there any things that you did there to like really, um, you know, relish the moment? Um, I had a, I had a couple moments with my mom. Uh, she was with me all week and with my caddy. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with them that night. And then I, you know, I had some, some long phone calls with some coaches, um, some friends. It was just really cool to, to, you know, you see all the support, um, when something like that happens. Well, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that you don't really know are following leaderboards until after the event. Um, and they might reach out to you, call you, text you. And, and it's, it's just cool to see how many people are, are really behind you, um, in those types of events. Yeah. No, that's, um, 
that's awesome, man. No, um, congrats on that. I mean, it was really cool. Um, it's cool to hear about because, um, I'm always fascinated by these mountaintop moments, you know, I mean, you have all these years of preparation and you reach the mountaintop and then you have to come back down. Um, right. That's why I always think it's really important. You talk about celebrating. I think it's really important to celebrate those, those achievements, those events, just because of, you know, the dog mentality is just focused on the process so much that we really don't yeah. celebrate. That's something that, uh, you know, when I got back to campus, that's something Coach Handrigan stressed to me a lot, um, the head coach in Notre Dame. Um, he, he just said, you know, these moments should be celebrated. Um, and that even as a team, you know, we had some success last or in the fall. We won our first tournament, which is great. And, and uh, we did a really good job of celebrating that one. And Coach Handrigan said that, that we need to, you know, really, as much as we are all locked into our processes, both individually and as a team, uh, we got to take the time to celebrate victories because they're hard. They just don't happen all the time. Yeah, no, that's awesome, my man. Um, I mean, you talked about other sports, man. How did, if you can think of like a specific way, because people always talk about uh, multi-sport athletes, especially when it comes to golf. Yeah. Now, um, what what were some other sports, though, that like, you know, I mean, obviously basketball here in Indiana is different than every other state. Yeah. But like, what were some what were some of those things that you learned from other sports that you think really applied to golf? Um, Either physical or mental. I would say, honestly, I think I think football is probably the best example. Um, I was fortunate enough to have my dad actually coach. Um, he coached all through my middle school up until eighth grade, and I was kind of a pipsqueak going into high school. Otherwise, I probably would have played freshman football, but I was I was a little bit too small. Um, but it it's kind of just like the reliance on everybody else. Um, and obviously that it doesn't necessarily carry directly over into golf, but it certainly does in the team aspect of golf, you know, through high school, um, through college that, that there's only so much you can do um, in football. Like, I mean, you can make a great throw, but your receiver still has to make a great catch um, defensively. You know, you can, you know, you can fill your gap in the line and then, you know, it's up to your, your other linebacker to, to, to make the tackle. Um, and it, it's the same thing with golf because there's only so much you can do. I mean, one guy can shoot 63 and the team can still shoot 295. Um, and it, it's more just, you know, doing your job and then whatever happens, happens. And and you're all a team. Um, I, it's hard. It's a really hard thing to be a really close-knit team and to be really team-oriented in golf because it's such an individual sport. Um, and I think that's honestly what makes Notre Dame so special. Um as a program from my experience is that is that we're such a close group of guys. Um, we care so much about each other, even though there's nothing we can do for each other on the golf course per se, other than control ourselves. Um, and it's those kind of things I'd say carry over more than anything physical that I learned. Um, it's just like the, the team aspect and yet there's only so much you can do for the team. Um, and that, that's, that's, it ties back to what we we're just talking about where winning's hard. That's why winning's so hard in any sport, especially golf you got to have four or five guys just show up on the same day um and yeah it's it, it's just cool when it happens um yeah. and and it's it's it just makes the the team so much more fun yeah i want to uh talk about your Notre Dame experience here but first i mean did coach at least come back and say hey man you don't have to qualify uh no no there's there's um as a freshman you don't expect any any better treatment than anybody else else um especially when you're when you're there for your first year 
Um, qualifying is always something where a coach lays out exactly how many guys are going to qualify each week, um, how many guys are going to coach his picks. Um, and it's, it's just in the player's hands at that point. Um, you didn't, nothing's you didn't really ever expected to be, to be handed exemption? to you. And from, from winning Jones cup, he didn't give me an exemption. No. Huh. And, and quite honestly, I mean, as much as you could say, yeah, it's, it's a great win, a great tournament. Um, it was, it was an individual event, and um, a, a lot of what we do is is just built around each other qualifying and, and having to beat the other guys. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it was a, it was a great win, but um, you know, I got I got to go out there and 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 earn my spot just like everybody else yeah, no, uh, for the qualifying it. this spring. I love it, man. It's awesome. Um, the uh, talk to us about, and and I've kind of mentioned this like before the podcast started, but like. Lou Holtz had an awesome quote. He said, for those who who know Notre Dame, no explanation is necessary. For those who don't, no explanation will suffice. Talk to us about your experience, not even not the, the academics yet. Just talk to us about like your experience being there, being a student athlete there at Notre Dame and, and what that's been like. Uh it's been it's been incredible. Um yeah, I obviously growing up in Indiana, I was aware of Notre Dame. I wasn't necessarily a huge Notre Dame fan. Um, but as I got older. And as I started to learn more about the school, especially through the recruiting process, um, there's no other place I think that that combines um, athletics and, and academics um, like Notre Dame does. Um, it, it's just it's just different. Um, anything from football games to you know even like student athlete study halls to there, there's just so much emphasis placed on both. Where I think some places just put a lot of it on one or the other. Um, but it's it's pretty cool to see such a you know a group of like really, really smart athletes. Um, and there are, um, you know, I, I can think of a lot of athletes I know that are, you know, in, in pre-med or, or really high level academic programs. And I, I just think that's what's so cool about the, about the entire university. Yeah. Um, yeah. Notre Dame, Duke, Stanford, Vanderbilt. I mean, there's really just a handful, uh, but there is some yeah. special, but there's something special about Notre Dame too. And I think all the pageantry that, that goes along with it. For sure. How the academics been for you? Academics have been good. Um, you know, I think I was prepared well. I went to I went to a Catholic high school, and and it was never you know somewhere where where being an athlete, even though it wasn't at, at quite a, you know such a high level, got you anything. Um, I took a lot of higher level classes in high school, and, and I think it prepared me well. Um, there's a lot of resources for us in Notre Dame. Um, you know, whether you find the first semester really easy or find it really difficult, um, we've got multiple counselors. Like I mentioned before, we've got um, study sessions. Um, and then also, you know, you're looking up to the, the upperclassmen or even the sophomores on the team who have taken a lot of the same classes as you. It's really helpful talking to them with scheduling, um, which professors they prefer, which professors they didn't like, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it, it, it's just, it's pretty easy to succeed as long as you um, use the network that's given to you. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something, you know, when you talk about Notre Dame as a school, the network is is mentioned a lot um, because of just how many people and how many connections you have um, coming from Notre Dame, whether it be, you know, looking for job opportunities or, or, uh, you know, walking on as a freshman. Yeah. I remember being there uh, working with, um, you know, golf programs, tennis programs, and then on game day, um, the amount of flights coming in on mm -hmm. game day was pretty, yeah. impressive, man. See all those, all those planes coming in um, while playing a, uh, a round at uh, Warren Golf Course on that on game day was pretty cool, man. 
Yeah, yeah. The the the, the nine thirty shotgun starts are are pretty fun on on game days for sure. Um, Jacob, what? Let me ask one mentality question. Like, if if it comes like your mentality, then what do you think is your your best strength when it comes to you know mental game? Um. Honestly, well, well, first off, for the Jones Cup and kind of in general, um, I, I'd say I'm very patient. Um, I don't try to force a lot of things, and it's something that I learned. Um, it, it didn't come overnight. Um, it's taken you know, quite a long time to sort of figure out. My mental process for the whole Jones Cup was just to stay patient. It was my swing thought. Um, it was kind of like the whole overarching game plan of each hole, making sure I picked the right targets. Um, it was just to stay very patient and, and my, my caddy did a great job of, of keeping me there. Um, you know, it was a, it was a local caddy from Ocean Forest named Brent Keller. Um, and he, he was, he was a phenomenal caddy. He was, you know, he was really knowledgeable, but we had a lot of good, great conversations on the golf course that had nothing to do with golf. Um, kind of took me away from the game a little bit in between shots, kind of reset. Um, and we always got to the right number, you know, with the right club, whether or not, you know, I executed the shot is, is, is beside the point, but, um, I would say that's, that's been my biggest strength. And honestly, that's, that's probably what allowed me to, to be so successful at the Jones cup, um, was just as that's developed, it got to a point where, you know, especially when I was working with somebody like Brent, um, it, it was, it, it, it was the best part of the week. Um, maybe aside from putting was just how I, how I stayed very comfortable um, like I mentioned, even with that double on 17, didn't let it affect my next hole. Didn't let it affect how, how I viewed the round. Um, it was a really successful round minus one hole. Um, and it allowed me to, you know, even though I was three back, I, I thought I was in a great chance to win uh, going into the third round. Um, it's hard to do, you know, after you make a double, you know, you think, oh, I shot myself out of the tournament or, you know, whatnot. But, but I knew if I played a great round the third day, I'd have a chance. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I love that. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station. Playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at KukoRadio.com. What, um, what question should I... This is why I ask all my, my guests. But what question should I be asking Jacob that uh, that I'm not asking? I think I think the question you just asked about uh, the mental process, like maybe what the strongest part of, of mental process is, or how you've developed the mental process. Because I feel like for so many athletes, um, they don't. At least for for me particularly, I never really looked into you know the mental really mental side of golf um, up until maybe I started reading books about it my junior senior year of high school. Um, and I think people focus so much on, you know, how great their swing's getting and and how fast they can hit the ball. And at the end of the day, if you can't think around the golf course, it's not going to matter how how well you can strike it and how well you can putt. Um, there's so much more behind the scenes that goes into all that stuff. And um, I, I think diving in a little deeper into, you know, like what the, the journey has been like. Um, and, and, you know, we ended up covering it today, but, but things like that were like, you know, how did you first start getting into, uh, like the mental side of golf? Yeah. Um, or, 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 or you work with. Yeah. You want to talk um, about the game? I'm sorry. You want to talk about the mental game? Your journey? Sure. With 
Yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, it, it started pretty late. Um, I, I was pretty late to, to competitive junior golf, um, to be completely honest with you. Um, but I, I got to watch my brother play. Um, and my, my, my brother was a good player. Um, I got to see, you know, watching high school golf, you, you get to see a wide range of, of, of mental strengths. Um, you know, the, you might see a, a club throw here and there, or, uh, you know, it, you, you just get to see everything. Um, some, some guys are really reserved. Some guys are really talkative. Um, and I think for me, it was, it was kind of picking pieces from, from everyone I played with, um, learning, you know, when times to talk with other players might be, when I'd rather be silent, when I'd rather focus more on me, um, all the way down to, you know, I, I ended up starting a couple of years ago. I listened to one song, um, before every round, like not necessarily like the same song every week, but I only listen to one song and I purposely try to get it stuck in my head. Um, and then the whole day on the course, I'm whistling or humming that song in my head. Um, and it, it just, even if I don't have a caddy, it's kind of a thing that distracts me a little bit from golf. So I'm not walking up the fairway, you know, just mindlessly thinking about my next shot or something else. You know, I'm kind of looking around and, and just kind of having a song stuck in my head on, on repeat. And it's something that, you know, I, Swift? I'm sorry. You said it's always Taylor Swift. Well, I, this week it was little or last week it was little big town. So not, I mean, oh, okay. it's similar, but uh, yeah, I've had anything from, I mean, I, I've, I've had probably just about everybody or every so, genre in terms of so war, having warming, a song. Up, warming up. You'll have one song on repeat or you'll just be listening to a bunch and then grab one. No, no. I'll, I'll have one song picked out before the, before the week. Um, and I'll listen to it. Uh, probably 50 times through the week. Um, and I, I, I've got a very specific amount of, uh, the, but this goes back to, to mental process and how it's developed. Yeah. But um, in the, in the last two years, you know, I've worked out a, a very specific warm up routine, um, things like that. And it's stuff I've learned from, you know, maybe watching videos or reading books about how tour pros structure their practice. And I've got the same amount of balls I hit with every club. You know, the third ball might be a low draw fourth one might be a high cut um i use alignment sticks at the same time every warm up yeah it's it's really just something i've accumulated over the years um you know it hasn't happened overnight um it's just been i've kind of picked and picked and chosen you know what uh, which pieces to to plug in and i feel like it's at a spot now where where it's it's pretty solid awesome jacob man thanks so much for uh for taking the time bud uh i appreciate you and uh all the best, obviously, coming up, and I'm sure our paths will cross again soon, man. But thank you, man. Thanks so much for having me on. I've, I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.